This is a special coverage. Random searches in the Holyoke High School. In a letter sent to the parents of Holyoke High School students by Dr. Mahoney, Executive Principal of Holyoke High School, several topics related to safety were reported, including one referring to random searches that reads as follows. Number 10. Random searches. Beginning in the new year, we will conduct random student searches at the beginning of the school day on a weekly basis. Staff will contact families by phone if their student is searched as part of this process. The announcement of conducting random searches raised concerns by a number of students, teachers, and community members. These concerns made it to Dr. Mahoney, and the searches were put on hold. There have been meetings with groups of students to gather input and feedback in the past weeks, and a public meeting was held at the Holyoke High School North Campus Cafeteria on February 27th after dismissal. Dr. Mahoney opened the meeting explaining the reasoning for the implementation of the random searches policy, followed by feedback, questions, and comments provided by the attending students, parents, teachers, and community members. A second public meeting is scheduled for March 5, 2020 at 3 p.m. in the Holyoke High School Dean Campus. This is the recording of the public meeting at Holyoke High School regarding the random searches policy recorded on February 27, 2020, brought to you by Holyoke Media and Radio Plasma. Many of the faces in the room I, I, I know and, and welcome, and faces that I don't, welcome to Holyoke High School. It's nice to have you here. Um, and um, so the uh, purpose of the afternoon is uh, for, us to, uh, for me, really, uh, to hear questions and your comments uh, about uh, this uh, search policy uh, that we are considering um, using um, at, at Holyoke High School. And what I thought I would do first uh, uh, before we go, is, I did, there's some hard copies of kind of the thinking that we have up to this moment. Um, and if you don't have a copy, maybe you can share with some uh, friends. Or I think we have some extras here. Use mine if I need to refer to it. You're my go-to. <laughs> and maybe what I would do is just start by just giving you a very quick kind of background on, on where this, uh, you know, where how we got to today, and then uh, and then just open it up uh, for questions and comments. Um, great, come on in. Um, so the short, uh, the short history is uh, this. Uh, did it not come out? Yes, yeah, right there. Hit that number again. Uh, but the. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> That's the secret trick. <laughs> you don't know how many times a day I have to work my magic on that machine. So. Um, uh, hi, welcome. Nice to have you people here. Um, uh, we're just getting started, so please grab a seat. Um, so, uh, back November, back November time, uh, we had a uh, uh, report of a threat to the school posted on Instagram. Uh, that uh, uh, initiated kind of a, uh, a big concern community-wide. Um, and uh, in response to that, we had several kinds of conversations, both uh, staff and I also opened up to uh, families to, to come for uh, those conversations. Uh, and out of that, you know, uh, we came up with 
Here are things that we're doing at Holyoke High School to keep the school safe. Here's something that we're not doing, but that I, that I want to start doing. And that was these random searches. Um, I will say that, and I've said this, you know, uh, at, at each of these kind of sessions that we've had since, that was right before uh, winter vacation. And I've said at each of the sessions, you know, I recognize that doing a policy change like the random search piece, that, that the cot was definitely before the horse. That, um, uh, that if I were to go back, I would have said, I think we ought to start doing these. And have the conversation said, we're doing these. Because once we had that first conversation back from break, I was like, pause. Let's have lots of conversation about this and get feedback on you know, what, how, why, and then, and then move forward with it or not. So that's where we are right now. I will say that um, the, the, the search policy, in, in my estimation, is principle. Whereas the, 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 the um, instigating event or, the, or the, the catalyzing event was this, you know, this, this uh, Instagram post of a rumor that someone's going to come to our school on this campus in particular and shoot it up. Um, I, I do not have like a, a weapons concern around our school. Um, what, I, what I do have as a concern, and, and I could say kind of with confidence that, that, that we know that, uh, we don't know, it, it, you know if it's, I don't believe it's endemic, but I know that it's enough of an issue where students, students are bringing uh, onto the school campus and onto the grounds, and either using or bringing for, for purposes of distribution controlled substances, the most common of which is marijuana. Um, but, uh, and that is a problem, from, a safety problem for me, because it makes the school not feel safe. Um, if uh, students are walking into bathrooms that smell, um, like, uh, like someone has just gotten high, or stairwells, um, and, uh, or to know that there are students who may be coming to school to distribute, um, sell drugs. So that's, that's for me, like the, 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 the real uh, kind of con safety concern that this would be getting at. Um, and that's, that's, I don't want to dominate. This is an opportunity for folks to ask questions and make comments. And uh, as much as possible, I'm going to try to take notes um, as we go along. So if you see me writing, that's what I'm writing down. Okay? Um, what I would hope that, that you understand is that you know, my purpose today is, is really to listen, to, to clarify, but not to make an argument just yet, right? Ultimately, this decision is a decision that um, belongs to the superintendent receiver of schools. Um, you know, by law, with the receivership in, in Holy Public Schools, the receiver has both the role of both, the, almost the school committee, has the role of the school committee, the policy-making board, the typical policy-making board for a school district, and the superintendent as the chief executive of the school district. They're rolled into one. So ultimately, Dr. Reich will be making this decision, okay? Um, and, and that decision will be based upon what recommendation I make to the superintendent. So, Geneva, yeah. Um, and I would ask also, it just since a lot of us are, are faces that people may not uh, recognize, if you could just say, hey, I'm Steve Mahoney, I'm executive principal of Holyoke High School, and welcome, so. Um, I'm um, I'm Geneva. I am in ninth grade and I attend this school. Um, I understand your concern for um, marijuana marijuana distribution, and it is something that shouldn't be happening here. Mm -hmm. um, and as a student, I am expected to give you a great amount of respect. Um, 
but taking a student into a back room and dumping their bag out on a table and sifting through it like they're a criminal is not respectful towards the students. And I don't know how we should be considered to give you respect when you aren't respecting us back. And Miss Sim, we were having that conversation the other day and she asked the students, have any of you ever smelled marijuana and felt scared? Everyone said no immediately. Mm -hmm. Marijuana is not, it's not threatening to us. Most of us live in a household or know somebody who smokes marijuana. And it's not, it's, it makes the school feel like a place where criminals are by searching the students because it makes them feel like criminals. Okay. And that, that leads back to the, to the um, school to jail like stream of students like dropping out of school and going to jail. Like they, if they feel like criminals in school, are they like, what do you expect them to do when they get out of school? Thank you. Thanks, Geneva. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah, Destiny, yeah. Well, my name is Destiny, and I kind of want to speak on that, too, because not only is it, like, criminalizing students, it's also traumatizing students coming from a student who has been searched. Um, I It's traumatized me since seventh grade until then, and since, like, I've been scared to walk through this building, I don't know if you've noticed, but my reactions towards you have changed a little bit because... I just, I don't feel comfortable with it. It scares me. I would rather have like my thing searched in the hallway or like just not searched at all because it's just uncomfortable. And it's like, this is traumatizing. And even if you think that it's something so small, it is something so big to us. And it's like, it doesn't make us feel comfortable and it doesn't build this um, school community that everybody's always talking about because this school community is feeling really crappy right now. I don't feel anybody on my side. Like I just feel like the school is looking at us like, like if we're all these bad people, like if we had more like school community, if we had more school engagement with our students, I feel like we wouldn't have this problem because um, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like communication is always better and it's just traumatizing for students. And it's even scary for me to come to school and I'm debating if I do want to come to school when it starts or if it even starts. I really hope it doesn't though. Like, I know you uh, say, are saying, like, marijuana is this, like, huge issue that's kind of, like, playing, like, our school or whatever. But, um, I like, I think it's way more effective if you really connect with these students. Like, you're treating this as, uh, you're tre sorry, you're treating this as, like, some sort of, like, uh, thing to be, like, criminalized. And I feel like that's just so ineffective. Like, these students are already coming from, like, harsh backgrounds and they're going through so many difficult situations in their personal lives. So adding this, like, uh, adding this, like, stress is just gonna like make them like uh you know go through the motions of like the school or prison pipeline even worse than like you know the uh, the circumstances that they're already in so i feel like uh, it's way more effective if you really treat this as like some sort of like um you know like health thing rather than just like a criminal thing you know sorry My name is Saad Daniel Fiombiano, ninth grade environmental science, and I rise to speak on this issue. But I would like to ask, how many of us have read this uh, that has been distributed? Let's show by hands, please. All right, thank you. And I, I'm asking this question just to illustrate a point. I think most of us, when we hear anything about searches, it provokes memories of discrimination, police brutality, and so on and so forth. And I say that as a black male. 
However, I want us to place the policy in its proper context. Let us have a certain abiding faith in the leadership that we work with. I shudder to think that leadership would want to implement this policy to criminalize our students. Absolutely not. And I think it's important for us to work together on this. Nobody in this room is seeking to criminalize our students. Now, we are also well aware that anything that has to do with searches is traumatizing, particularly for the students that we have in the backgrounds that they are coming from. But we cannot be guilty of inaction. We are well aware that our students are bringing certain controlled substances into our space. In fact, this is part of educating our students to understand that when you go out there in the real world, before you can take an airplane, you will be searched. When you go out there in the real world, before you enter the court system, you will be searched. Now, what we are seeing here is a radical change to the policy, unlike what has been ruled out in many other places in times past. So not in a closet, our students are not going to be taken into a secret place to be searched. No police is involved. No pat down. Our students have a choice of choosing either a male or a female. No raffle tickets and so on and so forth. So what I see here is every attempt to humanize that process and make sure that our school environment is also safe. Now, I'm speaking in favor of this policy with a caveat. I think we should proceed to implement this process and set in place a monitoring and evaluation team, which will be made up of someone from administration, students, and staff to keep an eye on how this policy has been rolled out and we can refine it in due course. But once again, we can criticize it invectively from passionate perspectives, but we simply cannot be guilty of inaction. And I'll end by saying, that a monitoring and evaluation team should be put in place to see the progress of this policy. Once again, let us have faith in our leadership, let us have trust in our leadership, and give them the support that they need to make uh, this school run successfully. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jose Lugo. Um, I disagree that this should be put in place. And the reason for these to be put in, I disagree, is because it is, you're taking an Instagram post of violence and now you're looking for illegal substances. I don't see the connect. Safety, yeah, that's an issue, but this is an absolute disconnect. You're using something else to take, to take care of a problem that you see here without actually working with the community to find ways to support the students with the students involved where their civil liberties are not being infringed upon. And I don't disagree that we have to move around this world where it's unsafe and you have to go through and voluntarily go through a, when you go to a courthouse and you gotta empty out your pockets, but that's because you have business there. When you come to school here, this is supposed to be the place where you're gonna be safe with your friends, with your, with your uh, leadership, the people who are supposed to be holding you, nurturing you, educating you. And instead, you're gonna be pulling them aside, having them dump things out. And if I choose to stand for my civil rights as a student, I can be suspended. If I have a small pocket knife that a relative gave me that I use as a keychain, and it's in my, in my backpack, I can be suspended. All of a sudden, for the, the instances that you're looking for, students are being suspended because their way of life, which has nothing to do with the violence or the drugs, are now becoming included in all of these different uh, little, uh, what do you have them here as uh, consequences? 
And that's really unfair. And if you need to have a, a, a way for students to, to be safe in there, I'm, I'm, uh, coming into the school, I'm absolutely for being active for it. But the students aren't being involved in it. There's no, there's no voice here for them that I've seen thus far. And that's where the shame is. And if you also look at our population at this school where gun violence has happened, we don't fit the model. And so now you're using another reason to consent, can find other, other consequences and criminalize the students when really they're trying to be here to, to learn, they're trying to finish their education. And for one student who might have a small pocket knife, might have something that doesn't fit within the consequence or gets within that list of consequences, all of a sudden they're out and it might jeopardize their graduation. It might jeopardize the rest of the year. It can jeopardize their relationship at home. It's a number of incidences that cascade from what I see here on this document and this plan. Thank you. Just to, just to clarify, um, and I'll say thank you. I just wanna, like, when, uh, when I said that there's that instigating event was, was about the, the post, the Instagram post, we did a, a, a the conversation was about the, all, everything we do on the campus around school safety. So this is not a response to this. We, we had a, like a uh, 14 or 15 things that I laid out for, for teachers and community around. This is what we're trying to do on this campus. Here's a new thing that I think we ought to be doing. So just for clarifying, not argument's sake, I totally hear what you had to say. Randall, thanks for waiting. And then of course. we'll go to the back of the room and then we'll stop moving to the front again. Okay. Hi, I'm Randall Bissett. I am a uh, Mostly work with seniors. I'm probably a statistics teacher, uh, mathematics. Um, so I was pleased to see that they were using a random number number generator, but that is actually not sufficient. Um, the problem being is that the consequences, the cascading events, is exactly in place. Um, students, I have lots of students uh, who have strong personalities, and I love that. And some students, if you attempt to have a power struggle with them, will dig in. Uh, as a special education uh, provider for six years, I avoided power struggles because it always resulted in me losing. So if you ask a student to look in their bag and they're one of those kids who are like, uh, no, now you've sent them home. They've missed a day of school. We have posters all around the school. Only miss five days, don't miss school, don't miss school. Now they're losing out on education because they're refusing to have their rights violated. Next day, they're angry. They come back. They're non-compliant. They argue with teachers who aren't involved. They can't focus because they walk around pissed off. They see an administrator. They have a negative event. Maybe they say something rude. Now they're suspended. They are not part of the community. They are frustrated. People who were involved in doing the searches, they say, hey, that's one of those kids that refused. I wonder if he's got something. Even if they have the best intentions in the world, their perspective is skewed now. Now that's, oh, that's one of those kids. So, sure, random number generator, great. But we're all still people. Our relationships will be affected by this. Our investment in the community will be affected by this. Students who have these conflicts, they don't let them go. They're gonna be mad at administration forever and every single opportunity they have to have a positive interaction will be tainted by that. Thank you, Randy. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was just going to go way back and then move forward. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, I'm Leslie Brazzo. Um, I'm very small. I'm a female. If I'm walking home, I might want to have something so I feel safe. 
it's a long walk home. You think I'm gonna feel safe just myself? Why would I not bring something? When, during field hockey season, I keep my stick like this. That's something you don't understand. Like, with all respect, you don't understand that. You don't understand what everyone's going through at home. You don't understand the stories behind every single thing, like in my book bag. You don't, and you shouldn't have to. It's not your business. Come on. All right. All right. Hi, I'm Zael. I go here, I'm a senior. Um, I just want to echo what some of you already said. Um, basically, oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, sorry, I'm nervous. Um, okay. <laughs> so basically, I know you're worried about like the drug use usage in the school, but it's like when you're in a community where a lot of students' mental health, you don't have an, uh, they don't have resources to go, sorry, they don't have the resources to talk about their mental health they they use marijuana as their resource and it's like if you're not implementing a system that will give students access to resources that they need then it's like you're basically fueling their need to use these drugs and it's like that's that's what they turn to so i think that we instead of using random search policy to criminalize students we need to have resources that actually help students cope with these coping mechanisms folks. My name is Mark Laff. I'm an English teacher here at Holyoke High School. I want to respond to a couple points. One, that we can't be guilty of inaction. Um, absolutely, we cannot be guilty of inaction. And we all agree that students should not be bringing legal substances onto this campus or dangerous weapons or anything along those lines. But I would argue that a search policy is very much in inaction because it doesn't actually address the problem. Sending a student home because they refuse to have their bag searched doesn't get rid of a problem, it gets rid of a person. Um, an actual solution, an actual action. Really avoiding inaction would be, like Zael said, there are reasons students bring drugs or weapons to, uh, to this campus. They do, it happens, and we have to address it, but we have to address the reason, not just the behavior. Criminalizing the behavior is much more of an inaction than anything else we could do. And the second point, I want to address that our admin doesn't intend to criminalize our students. I believe that. I know our admin very well. I don't think they have any intention of criminalizing our students, but intent does not negate impact. Right? Forcing a student into a search, whether it's intended for the student's uh, best interest or not, creates a lot of trauma for a lot of people, creates a lot of problems for a lot of people, and I'm not the first person in the room to say it, that builds the school to prison pipeline. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think I think this search, this policy is a real problem, regardless of what the intentions may be. I think it definitely uh, creates more problems than it solves. There's a lot of data that shows random searches do not reduce drug use and do not reduce violence in schools, and this policy definitely doesn't reduce violence. Even if we find weapons, all it does is replace interpersonal violence with institutional violence, and the latter can be worse in many, many ways. If we're actually trying to address violence, we can't replace it with another form of violence and think we're fixing the problem. Um, my name is Gia. I'm a student at the Dean campus. And I just wanted to address the fact, like, a lot of our students, like, 
come on, we all know that a lot of parts of Holyoke are really unsafe. A lot of our, a lot of our students walk to school or they walk back home from school and our only way of feeling safe is bringing a pocket knife or some mace. And if that gets confiscated, then we don't feel safe in school and we won't feel safe going home or at home. So that's just one of my concerns. And another one is, um, I just don't understand how we're gonna be enforcing a new policy when a lot of our other policies regarding safety already don't work. The concern for me is, is how does this, how does this policy build community, right? How does this policy build community and community capacity? So in a sense, if a cop on the street asks a 16, 17 year old kid, stop, let me talk to you real quick. Most of the time they walk away and keep walking anyways. Like they'll, they'll ignore them and keep walking. Some of them are trained and they'll stop in that moment. But the ones that are against that whole system thing, they're gonna push back from the beginning. So if they do that to cops already on the street, what makes you think they wouldn't do that in the school? And then I guess my last point is, I was a kid that did dumb stuff in high school. So I came to high school doing dumb stuff. I would have dropped out if I knew you were gonna be random searching me all the time. Cause I'm not gonna come to school to catch a case. That don't make no sense. You go to school to learn not to catch a case. Granted, some kids do dumb things and they don't, their mind at the moment thinks it's okay to bring a nick of weed in their pocket to school and they forgot or something and they had it from the day before. But this then becomes a larger issue if they get randomly searched that day um, and they get arrested at school, which literally is a whole other impactful moment, getting arrested at school where you're never gonna be allowed back again, quote unquote, but yeah. Mary Brazo, um I've had seven of my kids come through here, six graduated, I don't know how. Um, um, my oldest should have been in trouble every day. He wore velvet revolver weaponry all over him every single day, the Matrix jacket. Um, I should have gotten 10 calls from the school every week. I did not, I did not. He knew how to pass a class and stay quiet and slipped by. A lot of my students right now, um, that's not their personality. They're gonna speak up if they get stopped. Doesn't make them different. Um, I spend probably a half hour a day emailing people about problem kids. Some of you know and you hate my emails because I'm emailing you constantly about this kid that needs an adjustment counselor. Did they really get to SSR? Did they really go to their teen clinic appointment? They really need it today. This kid's late for class, that's not safe. That's when I don't feel safe. Um, I don't feel safe when I'm worried that a kid might not have gone where they need to go for help and maybe they're hanging out in that hallway crying. And I know that's where my kid is. Um, I am not worried if they come in smelling like weed because it's their household, it's their neighborhood, it's not them. 99% of the time. And if they are using it, guess what? They're not coherent enough to realize that they shouldn't say something. And I hear something and I can bring them to the right person to get them help and get them off drugs and get them support. In that moment, I can get them help if I don't have them suddenly arrested. And I've had a lot of kids I've done that for. This, this is not new, and I've only been doing this real school for nine years. 
Um, and there's probably one a week where I'm getting them to the adjustment counselor. Because in my mind, that matters more. If I get them there, they'll graduate. I need to get these kids graduated. My kids I'm worried about most is that same block where this would probably happen. I have a group that is, because of the scheduling, it's just a bad scheduling mix. 10 of them need to in clinic once a week and it's gotta happen in English because that's when we can find them. Um, I need them in that guidance. I need them in adjustment counselor. I need them with their teen clinic. I need them doing their restorative justice work. I don't need them out of school. Uh, hi, my name is Kiara Krogan. I'm a sophomore at North Campus. I'm a part of the equity board. And um, I'd like to go to number two on this document that you handed us. Um, when do searches happen one day a week, third North period campus and fourth period at Dean campus? Um, I don't think this is very effective because kids are normal. They fall behind in work already. You're going to take them out of the class. It's going to take like 15, 20 minutes if the kid isn't complying or whatever. And then they're going to be behind on even more work. And, you know, what if they're already behind on work in that class? Then they have to do it for homework. Oh, wait, but I have four pages due tomorrow plus another that homework that I have because I missed out on my class because you're searching me. I don't think that's effective in the work we do. And I, I just, I don't think it's right. Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Rene. Um, I'm a local community member, graduate student. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn slash Queens, New York um, during the peak of stop and frisk. Uh, I bring that all up because to this day I have a fear of authority. You know, it's, it's not growing up in the time of stop and frisk. It's not a fear of how they're going to search me. It's a fear of when and if they're going to search me. It's walking around looking over my shoulder, not not worried that I'm about to get jumped. No, worried about somebody with power, somebody with authority just stopping me and ruining my day completely, completely disrupting anything I was trying to do. I also want to take a moment to address the fact that a lot of these times we, we, we go into the conversation of the emotions we're feeling, the fear we're fe feeling. But we forget that you know, people have tried this in other institutions, predominantly white institutions, but other institutions. In that case, the law comes back on their side. That's where the law protects them. And I just want to take a moment to address some of the laws, identify that this is a breach of human rights, that this is your Fourth Amendment right to have a sense of privacy. And that just because you're inside a public school does not mean that you lose that sense of privacy. In fact, there have been countless cases that have highlighted the fact that you don't lose that privacy when you step inside a public school. I'm a little nervous here, so excuse me, yeah, but. No, you're great. <laughs> right here. Yeah. So the Fourth Amendment offers you a reasonable expectation of privacy. Students may have a lower expectation of privacy, but there are still guidelines. There's still a minimum of privacy that a student has. And that is to their person, 
their belongings, their pants, their shirts, their backpack, and their purse. Student's person, 469 US at 339. Uh, De Roche by De Roche versus Caprio uh, notes that a student's person is reasonable expectation of privacy. It notes that inside of purses or backpacks, students have a reasonable expectation of privacy. It notes that students should enjoy the legitimate expectation of privacy in their backpacks at schools. It also goes on to explain what is a reasonable cause to implement these searches. And we think that just because some random threat was thrown out, we live with random threats every day. Just because some random threat was thrown out saying that somebody might do something, that doesn't make every single one of you a criminal. In fact, they need individual suspicion. They need to be able to identify an individual person and be able to identify how that individual person is a threat. It's, it's not just, oh, everybody at Holyoke High is going to get searched now. You, you got to talk to the problem. You got to look at the problem. Not everybody's the problem. I mean, I, I'm just going to stop there. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm getting, thank you. Um, I deal a lot with student safety. That's pretty much my whole job. And um, I agree, there's a lot of students who use substances on this campus. And I think, as Ayal put it, I'm not going to repeat what she said. That's a, that's a public health issue. That's something that we have, we, like you often say, we're really lucky to have four adjustment counselors at this school, that that's more than other schools of our kind. We should be putting those heads together to think about how to support those students. I think our biggest source of safety is actually students fighting. Um, and we've even had parents come in and fight students. So I think actually when we're thinking about safety, the thing that makes students feel the most unsafe is the threat of violence happening in the school. And we have a restorative justice program and we do the best that we can to reach everything, but we can't reach everything. And we know that our circle practice is effective. It's, it's an ancient ancestral practice that has lasted for hundreds of years because it works. Um, but what we haven't seen is a large scale rollout of these circle practices. So we don't, this sense of community that everyone is talking about, random searches breaches that. It breaches a sense of community and circles can repair it. And when the sense of community is breached, students feel under attack and they feel threatened. When students feel under attack and they feel threatened, they want to fight. That's just what they do. It's your fight or flight instinct. It's a biological response. So they, that's why we have such a high rate of violence. It's not because our students are violent. It's because our students come from violence. And that violence isn't necessarily interpersonal. It's like Mark Leff was saying, it's very structural. Mm -hmm. um, and so they play it out with each other because they don't have any other way to do it. And we need to heal that. And that's what will make our schools feel safe. Not only will it help reduce the violence, but it will reduce the marijuana. Because like Zayel was saying, people use marijuana to self-medicate when they don't have access to something else. So we really need to reach those root of the issues. And if we are worried about safety, that safety isn't necessarily drug-related drug as like the thing. Like drug, drugs are related, but as a side thing to the structural violence that our students experience every day. And the, the solution to that really cannot be creating more sense of unease in our school. It needs to be repairing the deep, deep divisions between adults and students that our students suffer from. Uh, my name is Kate Brookemeyer. I'm a Holyoke resident. I don't have any personal connection to the school, but when I think about what's happening at Holyoke High, 
with restorative justice. It's such a model to me and an inspiration. And so when I heard the news that there was a proposal um, for random searches here, it just, it, it was so sad to me because it flies in the face of what the students and the um, teachers are doing here and um, just feeds into this huge problem we have in the society with mass incarceration. It's the racial justice issue of our time. And uh, it, it, it would, um, I think it's really a travesty if we have, if we try to increase that at the school, which is working so hard to implement a different way to work. Um, and I think is doing a great job. It it's, inspires me to hear all the students speaking here today and I hope you listen to them. wanted to address the idea that these searches would be unbiased because like a lot of our students we have connections with our admin we know everyone that works in the school so what if students do get caught with something will that teacher look at us differently just because of that one time will we be looked at as dangerous or as criminals just because one time we made a mistake and like I just don't understand how you're gonna break a sense of community that we as Holyoke have worked so hard to build up because almost everyone in this city has come from nothing. So if you break down what we've worked so hard to build, we're back at zero. And I just don't like the sound of that. Sorry. All right, I would just like to add to my earlier comments that I, for one, do not see a safe community, which is the point that has been emphasized. I do not see a safe community in which others will feel threatened by the presence of weapons or anything that would be a danger to them. I am saying that what prevents us from implementing this, learning from the lessons of the past, and putting in place a monitoring and evaluation team. I do understand the emotions that are attached to this issue, but we cannot criticize it or condemn it wholly as it is. What is then the way forward? We can pilot this for a month or so and have all of us, a team here, to monitor and evaluate and give a feedback. But between now and then, should we just allow our students to bring in anything that they want in the name of feeling safe? What does that, how does that make other students feel? I have had students who have told me of how insecure they feel about students telling them things they have in their backpack and I followed up on it. So I think it's very important for us to have an open mind. Safety is key. Every student needs to be safe. And if one student is allowed to bring a knife in this school, I don't think we can justify seeking to make our community safe for all of us. So again, let's have an open mind and be solution oriented on this. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jaylene and I'm a senior. And I personally, I'm an honor roll student and I'm the goody two shoes, but, and I don't have nothing to hide. Like I don't have drugs, nothing, but I'm still anxious to come to school thinking that in my classroom, they're gonna call me and say, oh, you need to be searched. Like that's embarrassing to walk out of your classroom to be searched. And research shows that it does increase stress in school. And it shows that 
um, this policy isn't effective at all. Like, it doesn't help at all. And I have a question for people who do have anxiety. Like, you said that um, you have a sample video. Like, what is the video about? Like, how is watching a video going to help someone with anxiety? Like, that's... I personally wouldn't be, like... I wouldn't feel calm down. I'll still feel anxious about that. Just again, a clarifying, not to argue, but um, it was an idea that came up in a conversation that I had with other students about a way to like, this is what, like most students at our school have never been searched. So they, they don't have a sense of like, what does a search actually look like? So that's that's where that came from. It wasn't like, a, well, this will fix it. It was just a, a way of like, this, you know, sometimes the unknown is, is more anxious provoking, anxiety provoking. Than, than something that you can see. So that, that was the only reason. And I'm not defending it, I'm just saying, that's why that's there, okay? Um, David, and then Prince, and then I saw Chris. Okay, David, did you, yep. Oh God, hopefully I don't mess this up. All right, um, so, um, so, um, yet again, you keep saying about the alert of a someone supposedly randomly posted a thing of coming here to shoot up to school okay? okay and i feel like saying all students are included on that is bias because during dur even america now still does it okay in 2001 9 11 happened okay what was the one group to get searched? Muslims. Okay? Okay? Because of something that happened by, you know, some random person getting on a plane and crashing it into the Twin Towers. That whole group got blamed. Okay? You can't blame a whole group for something that probably one person did. You know, okay, because it makes the whole, the whole, the whole group feel like they're nothing. You know, it makes them feel like, oh, if they're gonna search me, then that makes me a criminal no matter what, and it's not fair. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. As a person that who's like, okay. um, my name is Prince, and I go to Holyoke High. And like, as a student that has been searched, it's not like in the search they're not disrespectful or anything, and they're cooperative. But it's like when you come to school, you come here for a safe space. You don't want to come here every day feeling like it's a jail. And it's not only like. I don't see no other kids getting searched except for kids that like I hang out with, feel me? Like kids that dress like this, feel me? Like kids that hang out outside, feel me? Like it's minoritized people. Like I haven't never seen not one white person get searched yet. Chris and back 
my conclusion or what I'm thinking right now is that, so the administration has determined that it's weapons and drugs are the target. So my concerns would be that I'd want to make sure that we approach it as a public health issue and not a criminal justice issue. And then additionally, whatever version of this particular uh, policy comes into play, I'd want to make sure that it's um, in keeping with evidence-based best practice to reduce weapons or drugs in a school, which I'm a social worker, but that's not something I have any real expertise in a school-wide policy. And then second, whatever that evidence-based practice is that involves random searches, um, I'd like to make sure that they're, we need to make sure that they're conducted in a way that maintains people's civil rights. And I think too, part of the idea behind the random search was to, because there was a lot of um, concern about the original suggestion, which was to kind of pick people every 30 seconds as they walked through, and then it would have been a bit more public. So I think people are trying to figure out something that, that the community and the students are comfortable with, but I definitely would like it to be in, best, in keeping with whatever other schools are doing, because this isn't the only school that has these concerns. Well, I personally, I just want to make a statement about um, missing class time. Like I, like I said, I don't have nothing to hide, but if I refuse to be searched because I know I'm going to be wasting my time because I have nothing to hide, you're not going to find anything, and I don't want to miss class time. Like To me, class time is important. I come to school to learn. So why am I going to waste time getting searched when I know I don't have anything to hide? Like I just want to go to school to learn. Okay, I'm going to try to be loud, but I have a really quiet voice. Um, I want to talk about, so at the beginning we were concerned that this wasn't actually random. You've addressed that concern. Um, now it is random. However, I think we need to talk, and we've also talked about the concern of like admin being biased. Um, I don't think our administration will intentionally be biased at all. Um, and I get that it's now random, but I think more importantly, we need to talk about the impact, like who's going to be disproportionately impacted by this policy. Um, even if you do it randomly and even if the administrators have good intentions, um, if I, as like a white person with no criminal record, no history of contact with the police, a really different trauma history than a lot of the folks in this school, um, you find a little bit of pot in my bag, my trajectory is going to be really different than some of the students. Um, who might have something on their record, um, may have had traumatic experiences, and then react in a certain way that gets them in more trouble. Um, if, you, if they get that $100 fine, which is part of the thing, um, I can pay that, so I'm done. Um, but if, I can't, if you can't pay it, um, okay, now you've, you've initiated contact between a young person of color um, and the police. That may be their first contact with the police, but now if they have another one, they've got that record. If that fine goes unpaid, you know, it all just escalates and, and at Holyoke High School, we've now uh, initiated another another young person of color into the criminal legal system, something that we're working so hard to prevent. So I think we need to look at the impact um, of this and the disparate impact, the, the, the racial uh, and class different impact that it's going to have, not just, you know, is, the, is it random? Mm -hmm. so yo quiero hacer eco de cosas que otros han dicho en cuanto a lo que es la, la comunidad y la cultura de, de esta comunidad. Desde el principio, bueno, translate, don't worry. Desde el principio este, se habló de, de hacer cultura en los salones, de mantener comunidad. 
y verlo a los estudiantes así de una forma aleatoria no es la mejor manera de uno establecer comunidad en la escuela ni en los salones. So, um, since I got here, there's been a real emphasis I thought on uh, community building and culture in the classroom and having random searches, taking students out of class, taking students out of my class where my community, where my culture is being built by students. I don't think that's the best way to to really build that, that community and culture that we've, we strive to do. And that I think was, and is one of the biggest points that, that we want to make sure that that is something that will get uh, rid of most problems. If we build a true community, a true culture, a true, uh, understand, thank you. Um, I have a question and like I want you to answer me like right now so <laughs> so um, vape cartridges pens THC is a potential $100 fine is that a criminal like are you creating a criminal record when you do that yes that is a, um, there's a there's a new law around possession of, of THC and, and, and marijuana uh, if you're not legal to have it and and that is it that it's a civil violation and it's a hundred dollar fine and so um, in, in working with our, uh, our school resource officer we're looking at uh, that uh, second time that a student has in their in their possession on school on school grounds um, weed or, or THC or anything that we would uh, we would look to uh, issue that fine um, with the with the SRO so, feedback about trying to do some learning experience first before you know we, we, we do the simple finds. So I'm sorry if that if that doesn't capture that here. So you were talking about an evaluation team, right? Um, we're in a school with predominantly white staff. In a in a school with which is predominantly people of color. I already, as a student, don't trust half the white teachers here because they're all veteran teachers and they're all too comfortable in their position. So I don't want people on an evaluation team who are white. And regardless of that, I'm still going to have to get searched anyways, even if there is an evaluation team. I question authority all the time. I'm going to say no and I'm going to go home. And you ask me again and I'm going to do it again. So there's really nothing that's coming out of it except me suffering and you doing your job over and over and over again. So I want to know how these random searches are going to do anything good for the student body and not you. Uh, I'm going to hold on that. I'm look, I'll, what I'll look to do is, is in about five or ten minutes try to kind of close up with like, here's, here's what I heard today. Um, and then we go there, but I'm going to really try and get at first time kind of voices. So, so my name is Jocelyn. I'm a junior here at um, the North Campus. I wanted to bring up how um, 
some things that are going to be found are pepper spray and aspirin. So previously I had a broken back and I was carrying prescribed medicine for it and I had knee surgery. So I'm always carrying something to help my pain. So just questioning why that would be such an issue. And um, pepper spray, I've had times where I've had to walk from here to like South Holyoke or across Holyoke and um, I've just had it on me. It's made me feel safe. Um, I don't see an issue with these two. So I'm just concerned that if one day um, someone is stopped and take me, for example, uh, my back is still broken. I don't really have the brace on right now, but I do carry these things. So if I'm getting stopped and you're calling my mom, like, yo, your daughter has medicine with, with her. I mean, my mom's gonna respond to you and be like, I know. So just wanted to clarify, like that just sounds ridiculous. Thank you, Justin. I wanna thank people for being really great at listening and, and, and uh, being patient and, and making sure we get as many voices as possible. Um, Ms. Paskins. All right. Um, my name is Simbrit Paskins, Ms. Sim, etc. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. So I do believe and have seen and have lived through like school to prison pipeline. It exists, it's a real thing. And I feel like random searches are a slippery slope. Um, I went to Commerce High School and a couple other schools in between there, back and forth. Um, at Commerce, it started with random searches. And um, then we got metal detectors. And then they did something called hall sweeps. You guys know what hall sweeps are, right, with the dogs. So, so there would be like students who might be a minute late to class and you would be walking one way and then the dogs would be coming with the officers, with the teachers, and you would be running the other way. I'm emotional because it's hard right so so as a teacher I don't feel comfortable even releasing a student to be searched in Holyoke public schools in Holyoke high um, from what I hear from what I was told when I was hired has a commitment to retaining teachers of color right so <laughs> it's funny right um, but but that's what I was told, right? So these are like the these are the things that I stand on when I accepted a position to work here. So and, and because policing and school to prison pipeline and communities of color are a real thing, then a lot of the teachers of color here I want to believe not only just the students have had experiences like this, who also wouldn't feel comfortable releasing their students to be searched. Random, whether they come in smelling like weed whether they've had previous altercations or incidents with authority in the school, it doesn't matter. I don't want to release a student to do that thing, particularly if they say no. So if we're trying to retain teachers, like what is the penalty? Because I've heard some things about that there's a penalty for teachers now who don't feel comfortable releasing those students. So, there's a, so the student gets suspended and they miss school and I, I don't want to repeat what other people were saying, but I want to just echo it and like snap to it and all that stuff. Um, so the students are being removed from school and now the teachers are being removed from school. And I just, I have like questions and concerns and I, so the point is, is that I think that it's a slippery slope. Um, I know students who will refuse. I know teachers who will refuse. Um, so some people have said like, it doesn't help the school community. It doesn't. It doesn't help your retention or acquisition of students or teachers of color. Don't nobody want to come here and relive as a teacher like what we had to go through as students. Um, and I'll just stop there. Hi. Um, 
My name is Vanessa Rose. I'm a professor at Mount Holyoke College and have the privilege of working with a lot of the students um, who are here today. Um, and I just wanted to suggest that um, in terms of thinking about a process that might evaluate or assess that that's already been done. So I'm not I'm not convinced of what that would offer when experts have already researched and found really compelling kind of overwhelming evidence that in fact this doesn't work um, and that it actually creates more problems um, for students and particularly for students of color and that the impacts are in fact quite uneven. Um, and so I just think that that's something important to, to consider, that we have all of this research, all of the voices of students, um, and that if we're looking for a real solution or even identifying what the problems are, I think we ask the students. I think that this is a really great start to engage and ask like, what do students see as some of the solutions? Thank you. And uh, so, you know, I didn't grow up in Holyoke, but I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, somewhat similar community. Um, and um, I mean, I personally skipped class and I know a lot of my peers, you know, were using marijuana and were using other drugs. And my white peers didn't really face consequences from the school or from um, law enforcement, whereas my um, peers of color did. And so I, my, I, my question is, how would you enforce this policy um, without bias? Um, because we all have implicit bias, that even if, you know, with our best intentions, um, trying to avoid that, it's gonna happen. Your bias is gonna happen. Um, and um, I think that's gonna negatively affect uh, the Holyoke High School students. <laughs> My name is uh, Micah Katzeiger. I work with House of Colors LGBT Center in Holyoke. And um, I know it, it can be um, put administration in a hard spot when you're getting a lot of critique and not a lot of suggestions. So a suggestion that I had that would address some of the um, inequities that we're discussing and some of the lack of mental health resources is to create a class that everyone has access to that uses a harm reduction model, which is basically to look at why um, young people are pushed to use substances or pushed to feel unsafe. Um, I have my phone in my pocket now too. Um, and that, um, what you're proposing is punishing young people who don't necessarily have the education or the knowledge to reflect on substance use, to reflect on um, what they use to defend themselves. And I think it would be really a powerful way to bring the community together if we created a class um, that everyone could have, including teachers who don't know that and they're able to get that knowledge. Um, that way we're not criminalizing and punishing as we've discussed people for um, using drugs or using weapons um, in a way that the administration doesn't see as appropriate, but rather having a discussion as a school community of why we may feel that way and what are ways to address and talk about those desires and those needs in order to make us all feel safer. Hi, um, good evening and afternoon everybody. My name is Christiana, I'm a, um, so I am the resort uh, outreach specialist at Hope for Holyoke Peer Recovery Center. 
Um, but more importantly, I'm a woman in recovery, right? And so like my biggest concern is this, like being a mother of a child that plans on coming to the school next year, right? That's already challenged, right? With being suspended for smelling like marijuana and coming to school, right? Like, so how is this not feeding the stigma, right? And like, how are we gonna educate these children, right? And like, how is my child gonna be told that it's not good or bad, right? And are we gonna support them? And that's my biggest fear, right? Because as a mother, I can do that for my individual child. But as a community, how can we do that? I've got four in the front who are the second time. We'll just go through. We'll start with Destiny, kind of sweep across, and then we'll go for Destiny. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this person's last name right, but as Mary McLean says, I will suggest when students view schools as prisons and teachers and administrators, as guards and wardens, they will begin to behave more like prisoners than students and violence in schools will become its own its own self-fulfilling prophecy. And to add on to that, while schools may attempt to conduct searches randomly given the high population of students of color and existing rates of students disengagement, random searches risk um, increasing the possibilities of students of color coming into contact with the police. Thus, while the implementation of searches might be random, there's like their outcome would not be random and would have um, a disappropriate, disappropriate, yeah, disproportionate, thank you, impact on students of color and their families. Yeah, so first beset and then Hi. second beset. So, as first beset, uh, um, yeah, I, I didn't really mean that. <laughs> first beset, second beset. Fair enough, whatever. Uh, so here's the thing. I have very strong beliefs about this. I'm very much against this. But if you remove all the feelings, my submarine, <laughs> if you remove all the feelings, I give a kid an option to be searched. <clears throat> they can say no. Right now I have a bag with me. I know exactly what's in it. Why would any kid <clears throat> with contraband ever say yes? They would just say no. They would leave for the day, come back the next day, the number wouldn't get pulled. How would this ever be successful? Why would any kid be like, well, I've got all this stuff, but sure. Like, I just don't see it ever, 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 ever working. Thank you, second percent. First percent. <laughs> um, raise your hand if you're a student. Raise your hand if you're a student that attends one of these campuses. What's the problem here? Everyone here is an adult who doesn't attend this school. Almost everyone here is an adult who doesn't attend this school. So not only does this policy widen the gap between um, the teachers we're sp supposed to trust and the students, but also you scheduled it at a time where most students can't attend. Most students have to go home. They have to watch their siblings. They have people to take care of. They have responsibilities. How are you supposed to get students' opinions if they're not here? How are you supposed to get a proper, a proper opinion of what we think of this if, no, if we can't come? Again, so I just want to touch on because it came up the issues of race and class involved in this policy. Um, I grew up in a comfortable middle class suburb. The idea of bringing marijuana to school with the intent to sell, it wasn't even something I rejected. It's not something that ever even occurred to me. Uh, I was a young boy. I was pretty large and either my parents picked me up from school or the bus took me from the door of my school to the door of my house. The idea of bringing pepper spray to school never once occurred to me. 
the students who are bringing these things aren't doing them because they're not afraid of searches. They're not doing them because there's a lack of punishments. They're doing them for reasons. And this school, this policy doesn't address any of those reasons. Now, I'm not foolish enough to say that a school policy can fix the problems of poverty or, or gang violence or gendered violence or communal violence, uh, uh, it, it, you know, to a satisfactory degree. But what we can do is provide supports and resources that help students cope with these in, in a meaningful way rather than punishing them. Now, I said I grew up in a white middle class suburb where there may be randomization to the students who are selected but since i never considered and no one i knew ever considered selling drugs or bringing a weapon my white middle class school never had a search policy saying that there's no racial or class impact in here it you know it's a mistake even if white searches get white students get searched as proportionately this search policy is not happening in northampton the search policy is not happening in Longmeadow. It's happening in a school that's predominantly students of color in a low-income community. And our students are not blind to that. I think they see exactly what's going on. That they're being, you know, they are being targeted as low-income and racialized students, whether or not they're randomly selected. I think it's a real problem. I think it really damages our community for those reasons. Okay, so I kind of just wanted to touch on the idea of criminalization of students. And I know that it's not the intent, but it is the reality. And I feel like if we are being treated like criminals, what stops us from actually acting like criminals if regardless of the situation, we're gonna be treated like criminals. Um, and I feel like if I'm constantly being targeted, I'm gonna feel like there's a target on my back every day. How do I walk through school feeling like I'm being targeted? And if you guys do go through with this policy, how will you help me feel safe again? Uh, I've got, I've got, I've got Kiara for one more, and then Ray will actually have the real penultimate comment. So, okay. Um, so one of my also concerns is um, numbers, population in the schooling. So I know if I wasn't in like all the clubs I'm in and my mom found out that this was gonna happen, I know she would pull me out of the school. She'd be like, oh, you're gonna get searched? No, you're not going there. So I wanna put in consideration all the eighth graders, the seventh graders, the sixth graders all around public schools and their parents, they're gonna see this policy and be like, Oh, I don't want my kid going to that school if they're gonna get searched. I don't want them going there. And Dean already has low numbers. We have higher numbers than Dean, but Dean already has lower numbers. So people are gonna drop out of that school. People are, people are gonna drop out of this school. People are gonna get pulled. They're gonna send their kids to Chicopee High, Paula, who don't have the search policy. And then we're gonna be left with teachers that are gonna be leaving because they're not getting paid enough to teach whoever they're gonna teach. Teachers are gonna leave because they don't agree with the system and students are gonna leave because they don't agree with the system. So I just think that's another big problem that isn't being talked about. <clears throat> What's up everybody, uh, my name is Raylan. Um, kind of a little nervous to talk in front of a wide group so like I might stutter. Um, but I just have like a quick comment to you Mahoney. Like, um, I don't know, I sometimes feel like it's a little bit taboo to talk about race, in, especially in this building. And that's kind of weird because majority of the people who come to this school are people of color. 
and there's a small percentage of white people and like me personally i don't like making things about race it just makes me uncomfortable sometimes and i feel like we're all people you know it shouldn't be i don't know i don't i don't want to get off track but anyways i just feel like this policy comes out of a place of straight ignorance just because we don't have an understanding of each other um and it kind of reminds me of a durag policy that we had in place that took us forever to get rid of for i don't know why but um i just don't see how you don't see the stigma like with this specific bag policy because like um like i said we're majority people of color in this building and i feel like this policy directly affects black and brown bodies in the school um and like personally i feel targeted and like, I'm a good student. I don't know why I would feel targeted. Like I'm in a good club. My, my grades are pretty decent. I'm a good student. You know, some of my teachers are here or some of my old teachers. But um, yeah, I just feel like that causes a lack of trust between um, students and administration. And Mahoney, like you have the power to bring change to the school. You're obviously like, look at this right now. Like, I don't understand why you would channel something like this that's kind of on the negative side rather than promoting something that could be positive and bring people together. Like, I remember freshman year when there were a bunch of fights and all that. When I wasn't in um, Palante, um, a program in the school, I don't know if some of you are unaware of it, but we promoted a peace week or they promoted a peace week when there was a bunch of fights going on and I actually kind of calmed things down a little bit over the years. I Like, I remember that, but... Um, yeah, and like, um, kind of bouncing off of that, like, I've only really experienced division in this school. Like, um, there have been times where it does feel like a community, um, but it's just sad because, like, everyone here lives in Holyoke. And this is basically the future of Holyoke, you know? And if they don't, if we don't create, like, a connection where everybody's here right now, there, is, there isn't ever going to be that connection outside of school, you know? That's all I had to say. So, uh, so I do want to just, I mean, Micah, um, Micah spoke a little bit to like this being an uncomfortable spot. And, and I, I really wanted to say, and actually it's been a spot of, of great kind of respect and, and pride in the quality of the student voice um, that we had here today. Um, I just, I'm very humbled and proud to be a part of Holyoke High School, even if at the end of the day, you know, I end up recommending a policy that's many people, most folks in this room were like, nope. Like, I'm, I'm very humbled and grateful for people who came and, and spoke and listened um, and, um, and, and moderated and, uh, and brought thought and feeling to it in ways that felt balanced and respectful for everyone. I really appreciate that. And for folks who have been here before, but I haven't heard speaking as well, Again, welcome to Holyoke High School and its submarine. And, uh, uh, and thank you for coming and joining the conversation. Um, I do want to say that, that um, I'm deeply, deeply committed um, to building community at this school. I'm deeply committed to having a staff that reflects the demographics where, where race and ethnicity and language of our staff reflect that of our families and our students. I'm deeply committed to a school that, that addresses the mental health challenges and struggles that many of our students come to, uh, come to us with um, and, that, and, and you know, trying to sink the resources in there. I'm also deeply committed 
to making sure that the school feels safe to everyone in the school. And and whether or not, and listen, I'm, I hit the pause button not to like just listen to you talk and hope that you'll go away after a couple of months. I'm well aware, one, you won't. I'm also, I, I also want you to know that that's not how I go. You know, I made a mistake. I put the cart before the horse here. And I'm trying to undo that mistake and have a process where I'm listening hard and still keeping, you know, I don't think it's a, it's a public health issue or a safety issue. I personally think it's both. And I'm, I, you know, uh, and I, I made a challenge to, you know, Kiara was there the other day and she was there the other day about like, listen, you know, I'm way open to other solutions, you know, you know, along with or in place of this solution. But I know that, you know, and the, and the intent of this has always been to be preventative, right? To be preventative. And at the end of the day, my, my decision about what I recommend to the superintendent or not is going to be based on whether or not I think it can be preventative. Because if it's not, to Randall's point, if I don't have confidence that it could be preventative, then it's all for naught. So I just, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a big question for me. Will it be preventative for, for students to not, you know, make decisions about bringing things to school that could, at the end of the day, get in the way of other students learning or those students learning, right? So that's, that's my number one kind of priority for that. Um, we are, we're doing another, I'm doing another session like this on the Dean campus um, uh, for that. I, I, you know, I heard some very, like specific kinds of things. I, I, you know, Geneva, I, I heard what you had to say about, you know, a time where students are available and, and I'm gonna take that home and think about that. Like, is there another way of doing this um, where students have more of an access and not have to commit to being um, after home uh, or, or after school? Um, and, you know, there are, there are some things that, I think that at the end of the day, if we move forward, you know, with policy that, that before doing that, I'd have more of a panel kind of uh, like, um, not a vet, but session, where there would be a little bit more of like, okay, I heard that, let me tell you what the response is to that. I've, I've really tried to not kind of be like, okay, that's your point, I'm gonna give you my answer now. I really wanna listen and take it in. I want you to believe that I'm, that I'm paying attention to it and, and seriously listening to what you all have to say. Um, and, and that's and, and that's what I got. Um, uh, you you know, most of you who go to school here know I'm here, lots and lots, and, and open to having you know conversations you know when and where they come. And if there are spaces that you think would be a good place for me to come and listen to folks, happy to take that invitation and try and make that work. Um, but I really do. I like just want to say thank you. Um, this I, I felt you know as as this is a hard topic, it raises a lot of hard issues. Um, and I'm not taking it lightly. Um, I, I want you to just to know that, that you, uh, I hope you feel that, that you were listened to, um, certainly by me um, and many of the um, administrators who are on the administrative team um, on this campus. So thanks for coming. Um, uh, I very much appreciate it. Um, and uh, uh, we'll be at three o'clock. I think it's three o'clock on the Dean campus next Thursday um, if you want to join that as well, okay?
I will be doing this, I will be doing that, I'm taking these things into account, and you made a mistake, but if this was truly a community, then the community would have had input, the community is gonna have input, but not just for you to make that decision, but for the community to make that decision. And I don't hear those words, so although you listened, did those resonate? And will those resonate? And will those things you listen to be realities? Because for me, hearing just your, your, your response right now, it didn't feel like those were realities that had truly resonated with you. So I think I, I want you to think about the language you use and think about if you truly mean what you say, because I want you to mean it and I want to believe it, but I don't really think I do. Um, so take that into account. And to the students, I'm a student at Smith College and this doesn't stop in high school and it won't stop in college, unfortunately, but I think you have the power to change it and make it better for those who come after you. And I hope you do that because no administration should stop you from achieving what you want in education, right? And your ability to learn and to get educated is what's gonna lead us to a better future because these places weren't built for us, right? That's the main thing to keep in mind that this education system was never meant or intended for us. And it will never be until we dismantle it and break it apart. And that's up to us because administrators aren't doing that, you know? So I'm proud of you guys for showing up and keep showing up and keep fighting that fight and good luck. <laughs>